The healthcare system is broken, but it doesn't have to be. This is Revenue Cycle Optimized by Infinix Healthcare. We discuss the latest challenges in the revenue cycle space and provide actionable tips on how to overcome them at your organization. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our weekly live office hours where we talk about current challenges in the revenue cycle space with our community and provide actionable tips on how to overcome them. Introducing myself, I'm Viveka, Business Development Representative here at Infinex and your host for today. Our guest for today is a superstar, Jennifer Glockson, our Senior Manager of Patient Access. Thank you so much for being here, Jen, fighting through extreme weather to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So today we'll be talking about just critical components of a strong patient access workflow prior to patient scheduling and the potential challenges that people can run into with them or with skipping them. And just before we dive into the questions, I want to welcome our audience to leave any comments or questions in the chat. This conversation is for you. So we really would love to hear what you're thinking. So John, what made you want to discuss this subject with the audience today? I think that patient access is a super important part of the revenue cycle that I think sometimes gets a little lost in, in, in the process. You know, everybody gets so focused on, you know, filing the claims, getting the claims paid, making sure we get the money back that sometimes I think that really important steps of the patient access process prior to the service being provided kind of get left out of that discussion, but really it is that beginning part of the patient access process where you first make that initial contact with the patient that is so important. And that's really going to dictate the way the rest of the revenue cycle is handled. Okay. Yeah. With that, do you want to walk us through what the proper workflow and the major important steps are in your mind prior to scheduling Absolutely. So the basic steps to the patient access process, that initial step is your intake, the way that you receive new patient referrals, the way that you receive your orders, if you're a facility that performs services, that initial intake process, whether it's receiving orders by fax, via email, if there's some type of provider sharing website that you're using, that is where, you know, the order is reviewed. You want to check it for medical necessity. You want to make sure that, you know, all of the information that is then needed to proceed with the process is included, your diagnosis codes, your CPT codes, and then just running that through some type of medical necessity check tool just to ensure that, you know, the CPT code that is needing to be performed matches with that diagnosis code that's being sent over by the ordering provider. From that process, you then should be sending it over to some type of insurance verification where you should have a team in place who's verifying not only the patient's eligibility and making sure that they are covered by the insurance information that they provided you, but also to make sure that your facility is in network that this is a covered service. What are the patient's benefits? Have they met their deductible? Have they met their out-of-pocket? What are their co-pays and their financial responsibilities? From there, you send it over to the authorizations. You, you know, make sure that if that specific CPT code requires an authorization, that it then goes through the proper process and the proper channels, and that you make sure that you obtain that authorization prior to providing the service. 
Once you obtain that authorization, you have that information on file, you reach out to the patient, you make contact, you schedule the patient. In this process, not only are you providing the, the time, day, and appointment, but you're also providing the patient with important prep information. This is your time to then pre-reg the patient, confirming their demographic information. Do you have the correct phone number on file? Do you have the correct billing address, which can become very important later on? Do you have all of the correct insurance information? Is there possibly a secondary insurance that the patient has that was not sent over initially? You complete all of these steps and then you have that secondary check again at, at your check-in or the admissions. When the patient comes for the service, you confirm that patient's identity by checking their ID, getting a copy of their insurance card, taking their time of service payment. And, and once you complete that process, then the patient's ready to receive their treatment. Okay. Thank you for that level of detail, Jen. That's so important. We get a lot of folks coming in that, you know, have different, they're maybe new to the process and they're just getting started sure. or they're also coming in and they have all kinds of different backgrounds and they may have different ways of doing it. So I'm really curious, are there ways this process might provide differ for someone at a provider's office versus in like a facility setting? Sure, sure, absolutely. So in a provider's office, you can be almost a little less stringent with the process when you're verifying a patient's eligibility and benefits. You know, their accumulations towards their out-of-pocket and deductible, those things update only once a month. So if you're in a provider setting, specifically a provider's office where you may see a patient multiple times in a month, once you have verified that that patient is active and covered, that patient's coverage will generally more times than not continue through the end of the month. Once you verified a patient for an office visit and you, you know, secured that they've got benefits, then you really don't need to re-verify that patient later on in the process. Whereas in a facility, you have such a high volume of people coming in and out. It's really a little harder to dictate, okay, we've seen this patient in the past 30 days and things like that. So it's just easier to put that check every patient every time in place so you don't later run into an issue. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is it's really harder to customize that workflow and you just need something that's going to be able to work for you on mass. Right. Right. Totally. So I'm curious, thinking that begs the question of what are the most common delays and like roadblocks you see coming up in the processes? What in your experience do providers have a challenge with when we start to work with them? The two biggest things that I typically see in what we do is the initial issue of verifying that the patient's information is correct prior to sending it over, making sure that if you're a facility and you're receiving an order, you know, hoping that the ordering provider has previously verified the benefits. They know that the information that they're sending you is correct and accurate with the patient. If for any reason you get an order from a doctor and the insurance information is correct, there's there's a delay in the process because now you as the performing facility now have to reach out to the patient and obtain all of that information. The, the other big roadblock that you're going to run into is the authorization process, right? Because not all insurance companies have the same stated turnaround time when it comes to processing authorizations. Some are going to have a three to five day window. Some are going to have a seven to 14 day window. And unfortunately, when you're dealing with that process, there are ways to request expedited requests, but that doesn't always 
jive with the insurance company. They have their own set clinical guidelines for what constitutes an urgent order. And so if it doesn't meet the clinical guidelines for that, the insurance company can then say, nope, it's a normal request. And you're still beholden to the insurance company until you get that authorization back. So that's the biggest that's the biggest roadblock and thing that's going to hold you up the most is is waiting to obtain that authorization. But it's also one of the 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 biggest things that you need to do before you treat a patient is to make sure that you know that the insurance company is going to cover that service. Yeah, absolutely. And day in day out, that is the number one challenge we hear from people that are coming to us is, wow, we really need help with these prior authorizations. It is a roadblock to scheduling people on time. I am curious, Jen, is there something, what have we found in our patient access team to be the best options for streamlining that turnaround from the insurance company? Is there something that folks can do to maximize their chances to get that authorization approved more quickly? Yeah. So the use of the use of portals is a dear friend to us, right? Nobody wants to call an insurance company. Nobody, whether you're a patient or provider, you're a doctor, your staff, nobody wants to call an insurance company. You know, you you suffer from crazy hold times. And so having as much portal access directly with the home plan, with your selected TPAs, Evercore, AIM, CareCore, Health Help, you know, be, really being able to utilize all of those portals drastically cuts down on staffing time when it comes to follow-ups, initiating requests, those kind of things. So I always tell you, portals are our best friends. Anything that you can do electronically is really going to speed up the process. Simple things like choosing to upload clinicals to a portal rather than faxing the clinicals in you know, just fact, sending a fax to an insurance company, it takes 24 to 48 hours for those clinicals to be received by the insurance company, reviewed, and then attached to your case. So if you're in a position to where you can create the case online and immediately upload your clinical documentation, then that is right there with the case and the case can be reviewed immediately as opposed to waiting that 24 to 48 hours for those clinicals that are faxed in to then be attached for review. Okay, so I have a question on that, Jen, and you've been in a lot of clinical settings over the years. So I'm curious, why do you feel that some providers' offices are kind of, you know, back in the stone age as far as using the fax options and like what what would be kind of what do you feel might be holding them up to transferring to more of a technological option? Well, I think it's more of just, I mean, just as human beings in general, we're creatures of habit, right? We get comfortable doing something. We're, we're used to doing something a different way. And so you see that in offices, you know, when you've had a staff for a long time, the staff gets comfortable doing certain things. And it's, it's one of those, well, it's just easier for me to do it my way because that's the way I'm comfortable doing, doing it. And so it's just one of those things that if you open it up to your staff as, look, you know, I understand that you're comfortable doing this, but utilizing the portal and learning a new way to do it can drastically open up the amount of time that you have to dedicate towards patient care and lessening your stress levels because it's all right there in front of you on a screen. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like I definitely hear both of those things from our prospects and clients and just that point of people, they do care so much about their clients and um, their patients and who they're working with. They want to make sure the process is going correctly for them. And so that I think may be part of why they're attached to that older process is they want to know that it's really going to work correctly for 
as doctors and patients that they're deeply invested in. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we honor that for sure. So I am curious, Jen, and this I think touches on some of the comments we received from our audience before this session is how can kind of deviating from these steps in the process adversely affect the service provider and, you know, what might be tempting them or what might be leading to people to have these skip steps? Right. So, you know, deviating from this process, it, it obviously can delay claim payments. Nobody wants to find out after the fact that they provided a, a service for a patient and they didn't have the correct insurance information on file. Now you have to now obtain that information. You've got to send it off to the right carrier. You've got timely filing. So you only have a certain amount of time. You know, everybody knows that insurance companies are not typically the fastest about doing things. So sometimes I've seen it run into where, you know, a provider will file a claim and the insurance company kind of holds on to that for a little bit. So then by the time the provider gets the denial back, they have a very limited amount of time to then obtain that information and submit it to the correct insurance company. It causes, you know, if I've run into some facilities where they choose to schedule the patient prior to obtaining the authorization and making sure that they have everything in line to service the patient. And then what you run into is, you know, if you're scheduling prior to then the day before the service, you're like, oh my gosh, we don't have an off. So we've got to reschedule the patient. Now you're leaving yourself open for open holes in your schedule where you're paying techs to be there and there's nothing for them to do because there's no patient to service. Or you have this open slot that was opened up so closely to the data service, there was no way to fill it. That's a loss of time. That's a loss of revenue. And those are things that you really want to make sure that you have all of this in line before putting that patient on the schedule and essentially taking that time to be able to place another patient. So, you know, that contributes then to the patient satisfaction. If, if patients are feeling like, well, you told me I could come in today for my MRI or come in tomorrow and now I can't, that leads to patient dissatisfaction. And the reality is, is there are lots of imaging places all over town. There's multiple different hospitals and facilities. And so in order to keep that patient wanting to come back to you, you've really got to offer them the best service that, that you can. And so by repeatedly having to reschedule patients because you're waiting on an off, that's, I mean, not only a loss of revenue on your schedule, it's, it's a little frustrating for the patient as well. Yeah, totally. No, I, I can totally feel that. And I think we've all probably been on the receiving end of it as, you know, people seeking medical care as well. Totally. So it's a hard situation on all ends there. You know, when you, when you miss out on those steps, you know, I'm curious for you, what, what would you say you see as the reason people are, you know, is it really a bandwidth issue for their staff? Like what kind of would be the reasons for why people are having to skip steps in the process? What kind of advice would you give someone in that situation? So what I hear a lot from a lot of the clients that I work with is, is they see when we receive an order, we want to reach out immediately to that patient because we want the patient to know that we want to take care of them, you know, and they feel that that is providing the highest level of customer service that you can for a patient. And while I think that it's important to definitely reach out and make contact with those patients and let them know, you know, hey, we've received your order. We're working it through the process. Should you so want? You know, I, I think that that's great. But also, I mean, just as, as a patient myself, right? I mean, 
we work in the medical field, but we're also patients. So as a patient, you know, if I have to ask my employer, Hey, you know, I need to stay off. I have to have tests that are performed. And my employer then has to make arrangements to make sure all of my stuff is covered to then come back the day before and be like, okay, yeah, well, we were hoping that it was going to happen, but now it's not. I don't need tomorrow off. I really need next Tuesday off. I mean, these are all things that affect the patient. And so the, the constant reschedules, that's again, frustrating for the patient. But then also if you're circumventing the process and you schedule a patient, it's missed that the patient doesn't have an authorization and you go ahead and then you provide that service for that patient. And then on the back end, you realize we weren't able to obtain the auth. The authorization was denied for one reason or another. Now the patient is getting this huge bill that they weren't expecting. Personally, as a patient myself, I would rather wait a couple of days to be placed on the schedule than on the back end to find out that my claim was denied because the facility was so set on getting me scheduled and getting me in the door that the proper process wasn't taken to ensure that it wasn't going to have to come out of my pocket to pay for it. That's what I have insurance for, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think what I'm really hearing from you is this is as much a patient experience issue as it is a revenue cycle issue or, you know, that those really can't be separated from each other. Really like the same things that the provider needs to do to ensure they're getting paid is also the really important steps for making sure that patient is scheduled on time and that they're not going to get a giant bill at the back end that they weren't anticipating. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's all about servicing the the patient, right? I mean, that's, that's why everybody gets into healthcare, right? We want to help people, we want to make it an enjoyable experience. And patient access is sometimes more involved with the patient than you are in, in later aspects of the revenue cycle, right? Like after you're filing the claim, you're dealing with the insurance company. Patient access is what sets the tone for your patients, your schedulers. Those are the first people who are reaching out and making contact. That is the face of your facility, of your office. Those people that answer the phones, who are registering patients and scheduling new appointments. You know, this is really the front line of what these patients see. And if you want to continue to have other providers having patients come back saying, oh my gosh, I went to this office and the staff was great. You know what I mean? that doctor is then going to want to refer more patients to your facility, to your office, because they know that as much as they care about their patients, when their patients walk through your door, you're going to take care of them. And, and that's important to a lot of providers that I've talked to. I want my patients to be treated the same way that I would treat them. And so that's the, the patient access is, is so important to making sure that when you're reaching out to these patients, that, that they're getting a great experience. Because again, if I don't have a good experience at this hospital, I can very easily next time ask the doctor, can you please send my order to this other facility next time? So it really can become a retention issue there. Right. Right. And that, yeah, I think that's something that maybe is easily lost. Like it can really seem like, oh, the customers, you know, the patient experience is about how they feel when they're with the doctor. But the reality is, and I think we've been bringing this message through for a long time, that like, it's a lot of the time patient satisfaction that what they really end up being dissatisfied with is their experience with the administrative process or the financials of the experience. And most patients really do love their doctors, but 
due to the challenges of our, of our system, there can be so many roadblocks with that. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm a firm believer. I've, I've worked in the medical field for, for over 20 years. I've worked in a lot of providers office. If there's one thing I, I have learned, patients will stick with a doctor forever. Patients don't have a problem changing their pharmacy to be something that's more convenient for them. Patients love their doctor, but the one thing that will nine times out of 10 cause the patient to leave a doctor or a provider that they really truly enjoy participating in their healthcare with is the staff. Yeah. I've seen patients who truly love their doctor, but if you don't have a good staff to interact with your patients, patients will leave and they will find another provider who has, who has a staff who is going to interact with them in a way that's beneficial and helpful to them. Yeah. That's a great insight. And I think the reality is, and we talk to, you know, medical staff all day long and they really do care. They care so much, but I think it's such a frustrating and difficult process in a lot of ways. And in some ways it's an impossible burden right? that's being, that can make it really hard to deliver that good experience that you're talking about. And I wonder what would kind of be your best advice for someone that is struggling with this process And what would you suggest to them if they are having a hard time completing all these processes on time and fitting everything in there? So we touched on the portals. Is there another piece of advice that you would have for them? I mean, I know offices and facilities all over the country are experiencing the same thing, right? Since since the pandemic, it's it's harder to get people to to come back to work. And, And so you do deal with a lot of staffing shortages, right? I mean, these are things that take time. And to overburden staff with more work than they're possibly able to to complete in a day is not only stressful for the staff member, it's stressful for the doctor, it's stressful for the patient. Because again, you've got somebody, you've got a patient on the other end of this who needs help. Either they're sick or they're hurting and 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 they they don't they don't care that we're short staffed, right? I mean, I think I think the solution that we offer here at Infinix is is a really great solution to tell doctors offices, look, don't worry, you know, in facilities, don't worry about taking the time of sitting on hold and, and having to fight the good fight and the process of the back and forth with the insurance companies. Let, let us handle that. And you focus on what is the most important to you, which is that patient sitting right in front of you. Right. I, I, I would prefer, you know, if I'm, if I'm running a doctor's office, I don't necessarily want my staff on the phone screaming at an insurance company as much as I want them taking care of that patient who is sick sitting out in the waiting room, right? So I think the solution that we offer to just say, hey, you know, let us take that back and forth over for you. And and, and really you spend your time on, on doing what is important and that is in, in caring for the patient. I love that. Thank you, Jen. I really feel that message of, you know, we're here to fight that battle for you so that you can focus on what is the most important in front of you, which is making sure that person with a broken leg or, you know, the flu is being taken care of to receive what they need. And that is sort of the vision and the base business model, you know? Right. And so I just want to ask, so for, with every rule, there's some exceptions probably, right? When would you say in your mind, is it okay? Or, you know, a good idea to actually deviate from the process? That's, almost like you're giving me a trick question there because in in all (laughs) actuality, I'm going to tell you there never really is a good time to circumvent the process, right? If your patient is an emergent need of emergent care that cannot wait, 
your best option at that point is to send the patient to an emergency facility, to an urgent care, somewhere where they can get that care immediately. What, what I've seen a lot of times is we'll have clients who are like, oh, but that's okay. You can always get a retro auth. And the issue with that is, is that A, a lot of retro auths are only valid for a certain amount of time, right? The insurance company gives you a very, very, very minute amount of time. A lot of times it's, it's up to 72 hours at the most for you to then submit that request for authorization. But one of the very first questions that you're asked when submitting the authorization is what is the medical justification for why you could not obtain authorization prior to the service being provided, right? That's the very first thing that you have to medically justify. And if I'm asking for a retro auth on an MRI for a patient who had knee pain, the insurance companies, when they're looking at this, they're looking for risk of loss of life or limb, right? That's what's emergent to them. A patient you know, who has to drive 45 minutes to get to your facility. And now we need to to do, you know, an MRI and the convenience of the patient not having to drive back later. That's not a justifiable reason to an insurance company. Yes, I can understand it's that customer service aspect, right? You want to take care of the patient as quickly as possible, but your insurance, these insurance companies do not consider that a justifiable reason to provide a service prior to obtaining authorization. So, and then you run into an issue where you can submit an authorization. You can submit it as an urgent request. You can say, hey, no, look, this patient needs this now. But what the insurance companies have is they reserve the right to then review that request, to review the medical justification and say, does this meet that the qualifications to be an expedited request. And if they say it doesn't check all the boxes, they can then immediately move that retro request to, to, or urgent request to a standard request. And then again, you're not going to find out until after the fact that the service isn't going to be covered. And then again, that then comes back on the patient. We're, we're medical facilities, right? It, we, we have to make money in order to keep the lights on, in order to continue servicing these patients. But if you are circumventing the process, you're really just kind of stepping on your own feet at that point. Because if you provide the service, there's no authorization on file. The insurance company doesn't get paid. Now the patient gets billed. Now the patient's frustrated. That's not a, a walking advertisement then to ask that patient to then come back to your facility. So I know that a, a lot of the clients that I work with sometimes do see circumventing the process as providing excellent patient care. But I'll go back to as a patient myself, I would much rather wait a couple of extra days make sure that my insurance company that I pay so much for every month out of my paycheck is going to cover it and not be hit with a surprise bill at the end. Because that will affect my choices moving forward and which facilities I select in the future. Totally. I mean, once burned, twice shy, right? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I feel that. And I, I, yeah, I feel your fire around this is like, well, honestly, getting these steps in place is part of that patient care as, as much as I totally understand and appreciate the empathy and the care of wanting to get them treated as much as possible. It also seems important to have the clarity about the potential costs and consequences and make a decision that weighs those, you know, realistic outcomes. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, again, it's one of those things, you know, if you feel that your patient is an emergent need, I mean, that is what the emergency room is, is there for. And, and doctors who go through residency and, and you work in, in all the different departments, you learn like, you know, it, it's, especially in the emergency department, your documentation is so important because you have to justify why this patient needs to be here now, receiving care now, as opposed to waiting, getting in with their doctor's office, you know what I mean? And, and going through the normal process. So there are things in place within our system for those emergency and stat issues to be taken care of. But as a facility, as a provider's office, you know, you want to provide the best care possible for your patient while still ensuring that that you're going to get paid on the back end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Really appreciate that fire, Jen. And that's an important piece of clarity. Like sometimes the best option truly would be to send that patient to the ER or to urgent care where they can get that care they need and that they can ensure that there aren't slapped with an extra bill on top of that. Yeah. Well, that half hour just flew by. Jen, thank you so much as always for bringing all of your experience and and passion about this subject to us. I learned a lot in that conversation and I, I hope our audience did as well. Well, awesome. I so appreciate you inviting me on and, and letting me share a little bit of my knowledge. So I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Jen. Have a great day and have a great day to our audience as well. Thank you for being here and take good care. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to get notified when our next episode is online. For more information for how we can help you increase reimbursements at your company, check out our website at infinix.com. That's I-N-F-I-N-X dot com.